first Sunday morning of our services in our new building, I was oft blessed. However, I was much blessed in the Sunday school hour when Mrs. Carol Lale <coughs> stood to sing. Mrs. Lale, who's been in this church for many years and who always blesses me when she sings, was an unusual blessing to me that morning. Her mother was at the point of death. Her emotions were drained because of the fact that we were a new building and the fact that she has been in this church for so many, many years. And she stood here in front of the pulpit to sing to the Sunday school class. And about all she did was cry and sing and sing and cry. When she sang, I thought about this passage. I knew she was weak, weakened because of her mother's illness, weakened because of the emotional drain of coming into a new building of this magnificence and beauty when you've grown up or been in this church so many years. And yet I thought of this passage of Scripture. When I am weak, therefore am I strong. One day a preacher was late <clears throat> coming to the pulpit. The people had assembled, like this great crowd has assembled this morning, but the preacher did not come through the door when he normally did and as he normally did. The people were concerned. They waited for a while. They had a song, and the preacher did not show up. A little girl, walking by the pastor's study, heard the preacher as he was in the study. She was late to the service, and the preacher was talking to someone. He was saying, I'm not going to go in the pulpit by myself. I'm not going alone. I'm not going to go unless you go with me. The little girl put her ear up to the pastor's study door, and wondering with whom she was, he was talking, she listened to the conversation. The other person said nothing that could be heard with the ears of childhood. I'm not going to go alone, said the preacher. I'll not go unless you go with me, cried the preacher. Of course, you and I know he was talking to God. He agonized and prayed and cried. The little girl walked in the auditorium about the time that someone stood up and said, has anyone seen the pastor? Is he here? And the little girl said from the pulpit, she walked up and said, Oh, yes, he'll be here. I think he's coming pretty soon. And she said, I think the other one is going to come with him. I think the other one is going to come with him. Do you know that's the way to serve God? You can't serve God without the other one. The other one. Apostle Paul 
the greatest preacher that ever lived, the greatest missionary who ever lived, the greatest pastor who ever lived, probably the greatest Christian who ever lived. Also, Paul said, when I'm weak, I'm strong. When I'm strong, I'm weak. A way to serve God is to say, Our Lord, I cannot do what I ought to do. I cannot do what I mean to do. I cannot do what I want to do. Perhaps I cannot do what I used to do. I cannot do what other people do. But I long to serve thee perfectly. But I cannot serve thee perfectly. And so the person who in his own mind becomes weak, he hurls himself at the feet of the Savior and says, Oh, God, you've got to do it. You know what the Bible says? The word weak there is a little word that means helpless. When I am helpless, and the word strong there is the word dunamis, from which we get our word dynamite, what it really says is, when I am helpless before the Lord, then am I dynamite as I serve Him. When I am weak, then am I strong. I'm not, I'm not known for my humility. I wish I could be. But I have felt a feeling for the last three weeks that I've only felt four or five times in my entire life. I wish you could stand where I stand this morning. I wish you could look out in this great sea of faces as I have now for these three weeks, realizing all the needs that are represented in this room. I looked out across the crowd this morning and counted five people whom I know have cancer. Five people. Can you imagine what they need this morning? I can't even comprehend it. We had a while ago a little note from a fine couple, family, whose little baby was taken a year ago. Can you imagine what they need on the anniversary of the home going of that little baby that was suddenly taken from their arms? Can you imagine all of the needs? I know people in this room this morning who've had serious heart attacks. They do not know when or where they'll have again another one. I was in this, up in um, um, Des Moines, Iowa, preaching last Monday night. Five minutes before I walked in the, in the pulpit, they brought a man in the pastor's study, laid him down on the couch there. He had a pain in his heart. I didn't know it, but right there he was having a heart attack, rushed into the intensive care, and he's in the intensive care unit this morning. I mean, in a crowd like this, so many burdens, heartache, Problems, sorrows. I did something the other day I've only done four or five times in my life. May I share it with you? Fifteen years ago when I became pastor of this church, I did not feel qualified or able to fill the job. First place, I'm a southerner. Maybe you know that. I'm a Texan. You can always tell one. You can't tell him much, but you can always tell one. I'm a Texan. I was born and reared in the Holy Land, close to Dallas and Fort Worth. And I, uh, I, uh, I felt so incapable. The only thing I knew for sure, the only thing I knew for sure was that God had led me to fill this book. That's all I knew. But I will recall that first Sunday morning as I walked from my study to the auditorium over here that burned ten, uh, ten years ago. I got almost to the door of the auditorium and I turned and ran back to the study. Just ran. Literally ran back to the study. And I said, Lord, 
I don't think I can go. I don't believe I can go. I don't see how I can do it. I was preaching 14 years ago here when we had our serious problem shortly after I came. And uh, so many people would sit in the audience and make faces at me and everything else while I was preaching. And I recall the Sunday morning that I, what I call, dropped the bomb. I walked from my study and walked out in the hallway. And I said, Lord, I just can't do it. I can't do it. How in the world, how in the world can I do what I'm about to do? I literally ran back to the study and fell on my face and said, Oh, God, how can I go? After we had the fire, the morning after we had the fire, the fire was on Friday night, we watched the building burn much of Saturday. I walked in this building over half of it, covered with... with um, plastic or something and building about gone and set all over everywhere and two of our four buildings had been destroyed by the fire and I started to walk to the pulpit and before I got inside I turned and ran back to the study and I said I don't think I can and I'll never forget <laughs> when I heard R.G. Lee first sermon I ever preached in a sword conference I followed R.G. Lee he preached payday Sunday and then he introduced me I left between sermons and said, I'm not going to go back. I can't do it. I was preaching in the autopsy of a dead church. You never saw such an anemic looking outline in your life. If ever a sermon needed a B12 shot, it was that one. And, uh, and I, I said, I can't go. I can't go. I had that same feeling that morning, I, two weeks ago today, when I opened this door and looked out at this great crowd of people. But before I walked to the place, I walked out of that study and I went back to the study. And then I walked out here and looked at the people and I said, Lord, I'm just a country preacher. I never knew anything like this. Never dawned on me. I mean, I thought if I could ever had a thousand people, that'd be way beyond anything I could ever hope for. But here I am, a country Texas preacher. And this great crowd of people in this one of the great auditoriums and the biggest church in the world. I said, Lord, I don't think I can do it. And the truth is, I can't. Unless I'm weak. My hope in your hope. My hope for success in God's work in your hope. My hope for power in your hope. My hope for victory in your hope is wrapped up in one basic Bible truth. And that is, we will not be strong until... We're weak. We cannot go in unless the other one goes too. And I thought as I stood sat up here and looked out at this, and I still feel that way. I mean, the building, with all of its massiveness and, 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 and trying to way back in the corner and way back over here and way back over here, and all these people and all the needs and all the burdens. It's going to take something besides Jack Howells to do this. As I said, please take the baby out immediately. Just this very moment, take the baby out. We've got some things we must take care of this morning. and We must have the attention of all the people. And take the baby to the nursery and leave the baby there all the time now. From now on, the ushers will show you where to, where to take the baby. And uh, let's bow our heads so we'll not embarrass the lady as she leaves.
Our Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'd give us of thy presence. Oh, those five people that have cancer, they need to find something this morning. I cannot give them by myself. I pray in Jesus' dear, sweet, and precious name, you would speak to her heart, their hearts, and, and all of those who have needs this morning. Give us, oh God in heaven, give us of thy spirit and fill our needs. In Jesus' name, amen. I looked out and I do this morning, and I've done it every time I've walked out here. I don't know what's happened. Have we, have we doubled our attendance? I mean, is the crowd twice what it used to be? All we had was this. Over here before, it's all we had. I don't know where you came from. I don't know where, either I don't know where you came from, I don't know where you've been all these years, one or the other. I'm not sure. But there's one thing I know. I, for the, not over that many times in all of my life, have I ever sensed the need of divine help and divine wisdom and divine strength as I need it now. Oh, listen to me. This church, as it grows and grows and grows and grows, we must not grow out of our need of God. We must not grow out of our, our dependency on Him. We must not grow out of our throwing ourselves at His feet and saying, Oh, my God, if it's done, you've got to do it. If we win, you have to win. If we, if we have the victory, it's your victory. The battle is yours. We must, we must, and I especially must. How can I keep in one service? Think about it for a minute. And I've prayed this so much recently. Oh, God, how can I in one service keep the attention of all the little children? Oh, the little boys and girls who need a preacher. And I appreciate so much the wonderful, wonderful valentines that I've gotten. I've gotten more hugs and kisses this week, X's and zeros and so forth. And I appreciate all the little valentines. And if I'd eaten all the candy I've gotten, I'd have weighed 450 pounds today. And, uh, but I will eat it uh, as time goes on. But, uh, but uh, I appreciate that. And I do so want to be what they need. I do so want to be used of God to implant in the minds of these little boys and girls. I'm talking about four and five and six and seven and eight and nine years old. I do so want God to help me as I preach to implant in these boys and girls conviction and uh, character and decency all that they need. And I hurl my feet at the, my, my body at the feet of Jesus and say, Oh God, how can I do it unless you go? I look, look out and see the young people. Oh, my heart pleads for young people. I cry more, lay awake at night more, weep more. My heart breaks more over teenagers than all the rest of the people put together. Why? Oh, the temptations they face. And listen, you and I knew nothing. We, we thought we had temptations. We knew nothing when we were teenagers. Oh, the dirty attack of the devil out of hell on the uh, girls in the front. Listen to me. I'm preaching to you this morning. And uh, the dirty attack out of hell that comes for our young people and the temptation and all the weapons and all the arsenal of hell pointed toward our teenagers. And I've thrown myself afresh and anew, and I do it this morning. And I say, oh, God, I'm weak. I cannot do it. You're going to have to do it. If they become all they ought to be, I'll give you all I have. I'll give it all I've got. And God knows I do. If I knew how to give more, I'd give more. But, oh, I cannot do it. 
I must have His help. I must have His power. I must have His energy. I must have His wisdom. I must have His presence if I'm to be to these teenagers all I ought to be. And then while I'm trying to help the little children and keep their attention and help the young people resist temptation, I've, I, I've got to be used of God to give strength to busy moms and dads. All oh, the dads in this room this morning, I know them, whose hands for these many years have provided for their own, and now who have hands that are paralyzed. Their job has been taken away from them, and their ability to make a livelihood for their family, and their pride has been, been, been sapped and drained and injured. And now for the first time in their lives, they have to look at little boys and girls and say, Daddy doesn't have a job, and there's no paycheck, and there's no hope for a job. I must, I must, I must be what those men, men need as I walk out here. Would you think of my plight? I said the other night, I said again, please, oh, pray for this preacher with the little children who need strength and the young people who need power and the men who need faith in God and the wives and the grandmothers and the grandfathers and the senior citizens and the dear college students that can't make ends meet and all the rest of it. I said, oh, God, what can I do? What can I do? And he showed me the verse again. When I'm weak, then am I strong. That's my only hope. That's my only hope. May God keep this church on her knees. May God keep us weak in ourselves. May God keep us realizing He is our power. He is our victory. He is our, our standard. He is our leader. He is our energy. He is our captain. And only without, only with Him and never without Him. All the humor won't do it. All the funny stories won't do it. All man's wisdom won't do it. All the promotion won't do it. We're going to have to come, and I especially, and hurl ourselves at Jesus' feet and say, Oh, God, it's too big for us. We're weak. And somehow, in a marvelous, wonderful, wonderful way, when man comes to the end of his rope, God takes over the rope, and there's a strength that comes that only people know who've ever been weak and relied upon him. Uh, the building program. And I don't ask for your sympathy. I ask for your prayers. The building program. And the college building. We've got to have two and a half million dollars before next January. First, we don't even have a quarter of a million dollars yet. We've got, a, we've got a, over two and a quarter of a million yet to raise. It's got to be in. By next January the 1st, we can't even stay in our college building. Oh, the burden of that. And the high school, and the college, and the grade school, and the counseling, and the finances, and the Sunday school, and the spring program, and all the rest of it. I'm simply saying, it can be done, but we can't do it. Now, we cannot do it. I can't. You can't. This church can't. He alone can. And if ever, if ever a church ought to fall on its face, if ever a people ought to go to the prayer closet and say, Oh, my God, bless my church, and bless my preacher, and bless my people, and, Oh, God, give us what we need for this enlarged opportunity and responsibility. If ever a church ought to do it, it's the First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. Thank God it was weak hands that felt into a near-empty purse and pulled out two mites and gave the greatest gift that was ever given. Thank God it was weak eyes that watched from the jail as he wrote with his eyes, the disease without failure, as he wrote most of the epistles. 
Thank God it was weak fingers that pointed to Elishans, that pointed to, to Elishans, said to Naaman the leper, there's a prophet over there that can help you. Thank God it was a weak, it was weak legs. A weak legs carried the apostle around the Mediterranean Sea and caused the Shea continent and spread the gospel to the western world. Thank God, weak arms extended a small lunch basket that fed the 5,000. Thank God, a weak voice stole before Pharaoh and said, Let my people go, and that boy shook the whole Egyptian empire. Thank God, a weak and sickly Spurgeon built the great Spurgeon's tabernacle. Most of, Oh, you can't read the life of Spurgeon. You can't even read his sermons without being so possessed with the fact that in weakness we're made strong. Many, many times Spurgeon walked to the pulpit and died when he was 57, I think it was. Walked to the pulpit and leaned on the pulpit for strength. Didn't even have, he was sickly and would go, have to go out of town all week and come back in to preach and go out of town and rest all week and come back in to preach. But that weak body built the greatest church that England has ever seen. Thank God a weak body wrestled at Jabbok and that weak body said, and, and I have something sweet about that. Jacob said, I'll not let you go. I'll not let you go. Wrestle with God. Jacob didn't say, I'm going to win a wrestling match. He didn't say, I want to win. He just said, I won't let you go. He didn't have enough strength to fight. He just had enough strength to hold on. That's all. I'll not let you go. I'll not let you go. Listen to me. From the first page of this book, from the first page of this book here, to the last page of this book, the great work of God has not been done with the strong. It's been done with the weak. From the time that Jesus said upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The great works for God have not been done by mighty people. They've been done by weak people. Never let us get mighty. Never let us get conceited. We have a big auditorium. That's not enough. We have a beautiful building. That's not enough. We have the world's largest Sunday school. That's not enough. All of it can crumble like a whirlwind. Unless we throw ourselves before God and say, Oh God, we're weak and you're strong. And when we do that, a miracle can be done by God. Thank God I was thinking last night. I jumped up and down in my study and clapped my hands and praised the Lord. These, for 30 years, these weak hands have been waving themselves in the air and pounding pulpits across this nation. Thank God these weak hands never have been as strong as some others, but thank God He's taken these weak hands and into these hands of mine, weak as they may be. Thousands and tens of thousands of people have placed their hand in these and said, yes, I'm receiving Christ as Savior. Thank God for 30 years these weak legs have taken me across the country given me strength and have held up this body so I could preach the unsearchable riches of God's grace. Thank God for 30 years, this weak mind of mine, not a brilliant mind, just a mind that I've tried to keep busy for God, this weak mind of mine has made contact enough with heaven so that God has flowed his messages through me for these 30 years. Thank God this weak body of mine has been used of God, sometimes tired and sometimes weary and sometimes sick. But thank God the weak body, not as big as some, not as strong as some, but given to Him and for His service. And God has taken the weakness of the world and made it strong. And God has found me in weakness to me. And thank God this tongue of mine is not an eloquent tongue, and I know it. It's not a tongue that's as quick as it ought to be, and I know it. But thank God for these 30 years, this weak tongue of mine 
has been used of God to tell the message of grace to so many tens of thousands of people across this land. This voice of mine, not as great as some, and it's weak, and sometimes I fret about my voice more than I should, I'm sure. But thank God, in spite of that fact, I've been able to preach, I'm sure, as many sermons as most any living man in the last 25 years. Oh, listen to me, beloved. God uses weak things. It was not a white stallion that carried the body of our Savior into the city of Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. It was the foal of an ass that carried him. It was not uh, uh, Howard Johnson that was used of God to feed the 5,000. It was a lunch basket of a poor little boy. It was not Chase Manhattan Bank that gave the biggest offering ever given. It was a weak, trembling fingers of a little lady who gave two mites that caused enough noise that it's been heard for over 2,000 years around the world. Oh, listen to me, listen to me. God doesn't need beauty. He painted the sunset. God doesn't need beauty. He painted the rose. God doesn't need beauty. He kept the, the, he kept the rocky mountains. God doesn't need beauty. He painted the desert. God doesn't need beauty. He caused the lakes of Minnesota to fall like teardrops from the eyes of a broken-hearted child. God doesn't need beauty. God took his quill and painted, and painted the skies and the clouds. God doesn't need beauty. He caused the stars to form like heavenish chandeliers to grace our, our world at night. God doesn't need beauty. God needs weak people who say, I'm nothing, but I'll give all I have to Jesus Christ. That's the kind of people God needs. That's the kind of man that God uses. That's the kind of church that God uses. That's the kind of people God uses. That's the kind of child God blesses. That's the kind of youth that God makes somebody. When I'm weak, when I'm nothing, when I'm helpless, then am I dynamite? I don't know how many times I've walked, I've, I've crossed this country. And for a fellow 48 years of age, I'm a grizzled veteran when it comes to preaching. I don't know how many times across this country I've gone to my room and gotten on my face before I walked in the pulpit in some state and folks were mad at me and folks were, uh, a lot of folks were making fun of me and calling me all kinds of names and I was tired and weak and I've gone to my face and said, Oh God, I don't see how I can do it. I don't feel strong enough. I don't feel wise enough. I don't feel smart enough. How many times, hallelujah, have I seen and felt the power and energy of divine manifestation come into this body and lifted me out of myself so I could say words I could never think to say and do things I could never think to do. Why? I was weak. And then in that weakness, there came strength. I gave this weak body to him 30 years ago on January 1st. When I realized that other, other young men in the church were far more likely prospects for the ministry than I, I gave it to him. Weak, but I gave it to him. When I gave him this body to be a preacher, I weighed 93 pounds, and I was called Jackie Boy, but I gave it to him. And I said, Lord, it's not much. It's not like Joe Boyd. Joe's big and strong and athletic. My body's not big and not strong, but it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. Oh, let me tell you something. God can do more with 93 pounds of weakness given to him than he can 250 pounds of strength not given to him. God does not need your strength. God holds up the universe. God does not need your strength. He caused the sun to rise in the morning as a bridegroom, a bride cometh out of her chamber. God 
does not need your strength. He holds the moon in space at night. God does not need your strength. He holds the whole world in His hands. God needs weak people who realize we're nothing and He's something to lay everything we have at His feet and say, Oh, God, I'm weak, but you're strong. I give you what I have. And God can lift you out of yourself and give you a life of victory for Him. I gave it to him again after I preached my first sermon. I gave it to him again when I pastored my first church. <clears throat> I gave it to him again when I came to this church. And I gave it to him again two weeks ago this morning. It's not, it's not a perfect body. It's not even like it used to be. The hair is falling. You can't tell it because I have so much of it. The hair is falling. And I've got crow's feet. Getting more like bear's feet now up here around the eyes. And I'm farsighted. Now, I used to have to wear glasses to read. Now I have to get another pair of glasses to read. And I am. Because of some emotional things. I, I have spots that are in front of my eyes most of the time. It's not the body it used to be. <laughs> but I'm so glad God doesn't need strength. He needs yielded bodies. I'm so glad God doesn't have to have a Mohammed Ali's physique. God just needs a yielded physique. God does not need the eloquence of a R.G. Lee or a William Jennings Bryan. God needs a voice that says, I'm not much, but I'm yours. You know why? That makes a big God and a little me. That's why. Gives God a chance. A trembling hand. <clears throat> a trembling hand picks up a telephone. Hello, says the quivering voice of a lady who's walked far too many steps and given her life in toil to others. She now lives alone, maybe in some little room or some little apartment, but her quivering, unsure steps take her to pick up a telephone with a quivering hand and an unsure, unsure voice says, Hello. On the other end of the line is a daughter who's married who lives in a distant state who says, Mom, Mom, uh, I just made a chocolate pie. And it didn't work well. Or I just made a angel food cake that looks like a white brownie. <clears throat> Mom, do you still have that recipe for angel food cake? And the mother says in her heart, I'm so glad. I'm glad it fell. And the mother goes and doesn't have to get the recipe. She has it all up here. Anybody knows the recipe. Any lady can tell you how to make a cake that's over 65 years of age. You take a pinch of this and a handful of this and some of this and a little of that and a wad of this and a bit of that, and you throw it in. Now, you modern uh, little uh, chefs, you take a teaspoonful of this and a third of a cup of this, and then you have white brownies. But... Um, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, the old and the mother says, yes, sweetheart, yes, you do it this way. And she puts the phone down and she claps her hands and she says, I'm so glad she still needs me sometime. I carried her in my body. I went to the jaws of death to give her life. 
I fed her when she couldn't feed herself. She fed off my own breast for a season. I ironed her clothes and kept her house and cooked her meals and washed her dishes and told her what she what I wanted in the Lord. Thank God she doesn't need me like she used to, but thank God she needs me when she makes an angel food cake. Tired legs go to the telephone. Legs that have worked hard all day. Pick up the phone and the father says hello with a weary body. And the son away in college says, Dad, Dad, could I borrow some money till the first of the month? And Dad says, as he puts the phone down, I'm glad he still needs me sometime. Sure! Why have I worked all these years? Why have I labored all these years? Why have I given myself and wrecked this old body all these years? Why? I'll tell you why. I wanted to serve those whom I love. A lonely God hears heaven's phone ring. He picks up the phone and answers. And a pastor who pastors a large church says, Father, I think I've got a job I can't do by myself. And the Heavenly Father says, I'm so glad. I've been wanting to help Him. I'm so glad. Oh, listen. Do you want to be used of God? Do you want to be used of God? you want God to speak to you? you want God to use you? Get weak! You go to school and get an education, think you got a diploma. Now set the woods on fire. No, you won't set the woods on fire unless He goes with you. Unless he goes with you. You've heard me tell how that one night at midnight I came in weary of body. The phone rang and I answered it. And the voice said, Daddy, this is Becky. And I said, Becky, are you okay? Is the family okay? And she said, yes, it's okay, Dad. I said, why did you call me after midnight? And Becky said, Dad, I wanted to hear your voice before I went to bed. I wanted to hear your voice before I went to bed. I felt a little bit of how the Father must feel who wants to hear my voice before I go to the pulpit. And who wants to hear my voice before I go preach. And who wants to hear your voice weak before Him, prostrate before Him. By the way, is your salvation the same way? You don't get anything from God until you get weak. That's the way you get it. I'm going to go to college and get strong so I can serve God. You better go to the, the smokehouse and get weak then before you serve Him. That's why people die and go to hell. They want to get to heaven because of what they do. You don't get to heaven because of what you do. You get to heaven because you trust what He did. Nobody ever gets to heaven unless He comes to the place to where He says, Oh, God, I've been to every doctor. I've been to Dr. Good Works who has a lot of patience. And who has a booming practice but never does cure anybody. I've been to doctor this and doctor that and I've tried everything. Oh, I tried to live a good life and that didn't save me. I joined the church and that didn't save me. I got baptized and that didn't save me. I turned over a new leaf and that didn't save me. Nobody ever gets saved 
unless he comes and says, Oh my God, I've tried it all and I can't do it. Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit of God is made operative by that one little act of faith in God makes you a new creature, writes your name in heaven, forgives your sins and makes you his child. Why? When I'm weak, then am I strong. The great need for fundamentalists in 1975 is not for strong preachers, but weak preachers. Not for strong Christians, but weak Christians. Who can say with the Apostle Paul, I wasn't well. I came to God and said, oh God, take away my thorn in the flesh. I'm sick, make me well. And God didn't do it. He came again and said, oh God, make, make me well. And God didn't do it. He came the third time and said, make me well. And God didn't do it. And Paul said, okay. I'll glory in my infirmities. And Paul's mind goes back to his ministry and he says, Well, I believe I did better when I was weak anyway. And I'll gladly rejoice in my weakness. This morning, if you want to be used of God, fall on your face before him in your prayer closet and say, Oh, God, I'm nothing and you're everything. Use me. Oh, God, use me. This morning, if you don't know that you're going to heaven, and if you want someday to walk down streets of, 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 of gold and walk through gates of pearl and live in the land where we never grow old and where the unpaid is always unclouded, quit trying to save yourself. Quit trying to do good works and get to heaven. Fall on your face and say, Oh, God, I'm nothing, and I trust you and you alone as my Savior and my hope for heaven. Then you'll know something about what the, the Apostle Paul meant when he said, when I'm weak, then am I strong. When I am helpless, then am I dynamite. Would you bow your heads for prayer, please? Our Heavenly Father, I pray that a sense of weakness shall settle upon all of us in these days. A weakness that will give us a total dependency upon Thee. A weakness that will hurl us at Jesus' feet. A weakness that will cause us to realize we are nothing and Thou art everything. And in these days of our church, of transition, the new building, and the great crowds, and all the different atmosphere even, oh God in heaven, may we stop to realize the God who came and made the little introverted Gideon, the great general of the armies, is still alive. The God who made a little stumbling, sickly apostle, the greatest preacher that ever lived, is alive today. The God who took a little tongue-tied Moses and made him the great leader of two or three million people is alive today. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts in a wonderfully sweet way in this hour. Now our heads are bowed in prayer and our eyes are closed. I'll ask that no one move now. Everyone is very still. Everyone is very quiet. I wonder how many would say, Brother Hiles, I needed that. I've been a little proud. I've tried to do it myself. I've leaned on methods and talent and personality. I needed that. For the house this morning in a new way, I'm going to throw myself and my weakness before God, asking Him to use me. Would you lift your hand, please, all over the building?
all over the building. God bless you. You can lower your hands. I wonder how many would say, Brother Hiles, I don't even know that I'm saved. I don't even know that if I died today I'd go to heaven, but I wish I did. I want to go to heaven. I want to be saved. I want to know that I'm saved. Brother Hiles, would you pray for me that I might be saved and know it? On the lower floor first, on the main floor, anywhere in the house, you'd say, pray for me. I don't know that I'm going to heaven, but I want to know. Pray for me. Lift your hand, please. Oh, yes, God bless you. Who else? Yes, God bless you, lady. God bless you. Who else on the main floor? You don't know that you're going to heaven, but you wish you did. Raise your hand for prayer, please. Over here, I see you on my right. God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless one, two, three. Yes, I see you. Yes, there's several over here on my left. God bless you, dear people.